What is up, my fellow Stranger Things lovers and dwellers from the Upside Down? How are you doing? It is I, the Horror Heathen, and this episode of South Jersey Horror, I am going to be doing a quick recap. Well, not quick, but <laughs> a recap of Season 4, just in case you missed it. And I'm going to cover some highlights as well for things like Easter eggs and some other stuff you may have missed during Season 4, which I happen to pick up while re-watching the entire series, well not series, but the entire season, again. So, we're all aware that season 4 was a sad season for a lot of viewers out there, including moi. <laughs> but what did we learn from this crazy crew from Hawkins? They always bounce back, for they are very resilient. And, well, especially since they have a superpower willing young lady at their side. Speaking of Eleven... This season was most difficult for her. She was struggling to reacquaint herself with her powers um, due to the possibility of the hardship of losing Hopper and being bullied in school. But that topic is for another time in this episode. Here we go. Chapter 1, The Hellfire Club. So we see in the premiere of Stranger Things, Season 4 is absolutely bonkers. It opens with a flashback scene showing um, L. Um, back in the rainbow room with the laboratory with Dr. Brenner, also known as Papa. And the other children, you know, like 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, and a particular one, which I'll get to later, and also as well. So the first eight minutes, which happens to be the opening before the theme song plays. Uh, we get to see Dr. Brenner doing tests with number 10, which is nothing out of the ordinary. But things quickly get intense when they hear gunshots and screaming, Another worker at the Hawkins lab informs Brenner that something is wrong. And seconds later, the door flies off and knocks Brenner unconscious. <coughs> and that's a really shitty way to start your day, but hey. <laughs> when he wakes up, everyone at the lab is dead until he gets to the rainbow room. And he sees young Eleven where, with blood all over her hospital gown and blood dripping from her eyes. She killed everyone. So that's what they, that's what they assumed. So... Did Eleven kill everyone in the Rainbow Room or not? So it seems at this point in the show, Dr. Brenner thinks that she is a murderer as she, as he looks horrified and asks her what happened. Eleven just looks really scary and does not answer. She's all like, Yeah. And so when we get to the scene, it definitely feels like Elle killed everyone. But since we didn't see what happened, we do not know. Yet, but don't worry, we'll, we'll come back to this. Hang on. But what she does tell Mike is that she's actually severely political. This is way after what I want like that. So, spring break soon, and she's Mike. Her and Mike are reunited, and this is after the whole episode of the Rainbow Room, like that. As for what's going back on at Hawkins, Dustin and Susie are still dating a long-distance relationship, while Steve and Robert are still super close friends. Max is an outcast now, um, having shut out her friends, even break up with Lucas. Mm -hmm. And for Lucas, part he, he's part of the basketball team, and on his way to becoming popular. Right? I mean, <laughs> one of the kids from Hawkins in this group being popular? But whatever. <laughs> well, Lucas branches out the sports. Mike and Dustin are part of the Dungeons and Dragons group at school called the Hellfire Club. It's run by Stranger Things newcomer Eddie Munson, who's a super fun character 
and the fans are bound to fall in love with this dude. If you haven't been keeping up on TikTok, there's this thing called the Eddie Bunsen cult. It's spreading like wildfire all over TikTok and social media. I'm a part of it now, obviously, evidently, so, <clears throat> excuse me, but hey, it, they, they, pff, teenagers, right? <laughs> anyway, um, there we go, back at Joyce, she gets a mysterious package center out in California, and she knows the stamps look like to be from Russia. Uh, Levin goes by Jane at school now, and we see just how badly she's treated when she presents a project about Hopper, the cabin, and where she used to live, and all that stuff, so... A popular girl named Angela picks on her, and Will doesn't even defend her. Prick. Right? Shut man. Whatever, dude. Elsewhere in the episode, um, Eleven tries to use her powers on Angela, but they don't work. It's a super cringeworthy moment, because everyone thinks Eleven is weird. But who doesn't, right? I mean, she is... Anyway. So, now we're moving on to Max. We're getting reacquainted with Max. Um, she goes to see the school counselor, Miss Kelly... Though she seems hesitant to open up, we learn that she's still grieving the death of her stepbrother, Billy. Which is understandable, and that her mom has been drinking and working two jobs. They also had to move into a trailer park, which hasn't been the best for Max. Because um, in the hallway, Max sees Lucas, who asks her to come to his basketball game. And they have a bit of an argument, and Lucas says she's been acting like a ghost. Well, she has. I mean, she has her reasons for separating from the group. Come on now. So the question is, why did Max and Lucas break up? Well, their split takes a, the place before season four starts up. So, but pretty obvious, Max and Lucas drifted apart after Billy's death. Max is withdrawn and wants to be alone, while Lucas didn't know and still doesn't know how to deal with that. She says she's changed, which is true, and she's different now after the events of the season three finale. <clears throat> Um, it shows that Max has a headache, she takes some Tylenol, and when she's in the bathroom, she hears a girl in one of the stalls in the distress. Um, it's the popular cheerleader, Chrissy, who tells Max she's fine. Uh, the lights flicker in and out, blah, blah, blah. That's when I start grabbing salt. <laughs> so, his voice is distorted. First sound like Chrissy's mom, and then something entirely different, and then it disappears. Hmm. Creepy, right? Okay. So now... We come to newcomer Eddie, and we get to know him a little bit better in the lunchroom when he's talking about D&D, or Dungeons & Dragons, and how Mike and Dustin will have to take charge of the group once he graduates. This is my year. <laughs> they have a game that night, and they'll be facing the curse of Vecna, which is a pretty big deal to everyone in the group. So, back to Joyce. So, desperate for answers, Joyce calls up Murray and asks for help with the Russian doll. He suggests she should smash it open to find out if there's a wiretap or anything else inside. She does, and it's a note. I'll come back to that too. I know first episode is jumping around because it's the it's the opening episode. It's yeah. It's the premiere. Although Mike is visiting Eleven for spring break, Nancy and Jonathan will be spending time together, surprisingly enough. We get to see Nancy's classmate Fred, who she works with on the school newspaper, with and he always always pestering her why her and Jonathan are not coming why Jonathan's not coming to visit and why they're not getting back together. I tell the dude to mind his own fucking business. Seriously. So then again we see Nancy's um, classmate Fred um, 
pestering about Jonathan coming, and meanwhile Argyle is Jonathan's new best friend. Is asking Jonathan why Nancy isn't visiting California. They both have excuses, but it's obvious there might be trouble in paradise for the couple. Two tickets to paradise. Oh, sorry, that just popped in my head. <laughs> Back to Chrissy. Chrissy's still feeling troubled, and we see her walk across the school field alone into the woods. She sees a grandfather clock randomly placed on a tree and calls out to see if anyone's there. <laughs> the clock's glass then breaks, and a shit ton of nasty looking spiders are coming out, and Eddie appears, and the clock's gone. <laughs> so, here we go. Eddie's there to sell Chrissy marijuana. A little bit of the reefer, mine. Anyway, and she tells him she feels like she needs something stronger, and she's losing her mind. They have a cute conversation about knowing each other in middle school, despite the two being completely different today. She asks him if he has anything stronger than weed to sell her. Damn, dude, we, we, look, we look for some acid? Because that'll fuck you up. So, later on, night, later on that night, Mike and Dustin recruit Erica to play Dungeons & Dragons while Lucas is busy at the school basketball team. At the game, despite Eddie's hesitation to allow her to play, Erica is able to prove herself, and it's a fantastic game. By the end of the episode, Max watches as Eddie and Chrissy go into his trailer. Eddie explains to Chrissy that he lives with his uncle, and while he goes to find stronger drugs, the monster again confronts Chrissy. She sees her mom with glowing eyes and black skin, trying to hurt her. She's transported to her own home in a vision and sees her dad, with his mouth and eyes stitched closed. What the fuck? You want something stronger? I think you're tripping enough as it is. It's chilling because Eddie comes out and sees Chrissy, you know, levitating in the air and tries to snap her out of it, and she's clearly in a trance. Chrissy, wake up. I don't like this. Chrissy, wake up. Oh, a whole other song on TikTok. You'll hear that if you're on TikTok. You'll hear it a lot. <laughs> So, how does Chrissy die in Stranger Things? Let's get right to the point. So the lights in the trailer start flashing on and off again. And we hear a voice of the new villain, Vecna, say, It's time for your suffering to end. So he touches Chrissy's face in the other dimension. And in reality, Eddie watches as she starts levitating. She's soon up on the ceiling as all of her bones start bending back and breaking. Her eyes pop out of her head and... And just like that, she's dead. Eddie is understandably young, freaked out, and he runs. We don't really understand it then, but Vegna is able to kill Chrissy, Chrissy from the upside down. So that's how the episode ends. And to me, that was like the best premiere ever out of all seasons. So, so we go back to Hopper, and, he, and we go there and see how Hopper climbs the ladder back up, though they're confronted by the Russians. This is back in the mall, I think. They knock him out, tie him up, and ask him for who he works. Of course, he doesn't work for anyone who wants information from the Russians. He was only there to close the gate to the Upside Down. Max wakes up in panic present day, takes more Tylenol, and only to see police officers arrive at Eddie's. Um, Mike arrives in California, greeted by Eleven, Will, Jonathan, and Argyle at the airport. Who's this dude? Oh, my dude! So it seems that Will and Mike are super awkward for some reason, and it seems obvious that Will feels excluded with Mike 
and 11 together, he's definitely third wheeling. <laughs> 11 flies somebody while having friends, which confuses Will. Meanwhile, Murray arrives in California too. Like, what's going on here? So, yeah. Lucas wakes up from the super hangover after the basketball game alongside his teammates. They watch the news and see that a student had been killed. The reporters don't disclose the name yet. Chrissy was dating one of the basketball players, Jason, and he's there watching in fear. By the way, just as a personal opinion, Jason has that Brad Pitt look. I don't know why. He's got the comb over and the fluffy hair. And when I first watched the season, I was like, is that Brad Pitt? But it's not. Because, goddamn, he's like a spitting image of a young Brad Pitt. I don't know why. Am I the only one that thinks this shit? Okay, I'm going to ask people later on TikTok or something. Anyway, um, over at school, the yearbook club is also watching the news. Nancy has the idea to go investigate and be Snoopy. And, and I don't know why, she has the urge to be nosy. And so she and Fred head over there to the trailer park. On their ride over there, Nancy admits there's something going on with her and Jonathan. Now we're going to Dustin. So Dustin's watching news with his mom when Max comes over and tells him about seeing Eddie and Chrissy together. Max says Eddie is a prime suspect, though Dustin dismisses the possibility. But he can't be. He's so cool and funny. She also explains that weird stuff started happening to her the night before, such as her lights flickering and hearing screams. Excuse me. She looked out her window at one point and saw a terrified Eddie get into his car and frantically drive away. So this prompts the question, did something else kill Chrissy? So what they only know is that Eddie will have some answers, because he's the only one that saw this shit happen. So now we're back to Murray. Murray arrives at Joyce's house and reads a letter with Joyce. According to the note, the sinner doesn't want the government involved but claims Hopper is alive. The person also signed it, Enzo, <laughs> which fans know is the name of the restaurant that Joyce and Hop almost went to for the date that never happened. So the letter lists a phone number so Joyce and Murray know the only way they'll find anything else out is by calling. When they do call, a man on the payphone in Russia picks up, answering the name of Enzo. He asks Joyce for a deposit of $40,000, explaining if she goes to Alaska and gives the money to someone named Yuri, 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 I don't know, and she'll get Hopper back. He states that Hopper is stuck, but if he gets the money, he'll make him unstuck. And make him unstuck. So, back to the kids. Mike, Eleven, and Will head out roller skating, and Will confronts Eleven on why she's been lying to Mike all this time. And having friends is being popular. So, he tells her that Mike will be mad once he finds out. Angela arrives and sees Mike and Eleven together. Which prompts her to plan a big prank. So, he tells her that Mike will be mad. I think I'm going to say that. So, back in Hawkins, Jason is questioned by the police about what he did last night. And eventually is told that Chrissy was a student who was murdered. Um, Max and Dustin go to the video store where Steve and Robin work and establish a base of operations. They start looking up Eddie's friend's phone numbers to try and find him. Filling Steve and Robin in on everything in the process. And back to Nancy and Fred. Nancy and Fred get to the trailer park and lie to the police to get by saying they want to check in on Max. 
So when Nancy and Fred arrive, um, a really freaky sequence, <laughs> really freaky sequence, begins to happen. As the police officer tells Fred he knows him, and that Fred killed a kid in a car crash. And Fred is just freaking out. And I think I would too. I, mean, just, I know you, you killed that kid in a car crash. Like, dude, get the fuck out of my face. Alright? <laughs> God! Anyway... He points out the scar on his face, and then his voice becomes distorted. Bugs appear in his face, he calls Fred a murderer. Vecna, is that you? Hello? <laughs> Get out of my face! Anyway. So, back to Jonathan and Argyle, having a serious conversation about Nancy, where Jonathan says he felt a little relieved she didn't get off the plane with Mike, as it turns out. Um... Jonathan was accepted to Lenora Hills Community College, where Argyle is going, and wants to go there too. But he no longer wants to go to Emory University with Nancy, explaining he can't leave Will and Joyce all alone. He says he doesn't want to, he doesn't want a dream that isn't his. Argyle advises him, it'll behoove you to tell Nancy the truth. Do it. Okay. So, back at the skating rink, Angela goes up to Eleven and Mike, and is fake nice to them, like, eh, how you doing, blah, blah. Anyway, she grabs Eleven and takes her skating. Meanwhile, another popular kid is recording. You already know at this point some shit's about to go down, right? Because you just know it's foreboding. It's, it's going to happen. <laughs> As Will fills Mike on Eleven's reality, explained that she actually doesn't have friends and is bullied. The popular kids play a mean prank on her. They circle around her, and one of them throws a milkshake at her, which causes her to fall down. Pretty much what happens. Now, now, back to the big problem. Does Eddie kill Chrissy in Stranger Things? If you've seen it, don't spoil it for people, because the people who have not seen it is why I'm doing this. Yeah. People who can't get Stranger Things over there, whether like Canada, Norway, Norway, Estonia, <laughs> whatever. So as the United States Army arrives in Hawkins and tries to figure out how Chrissy was murdered, in such an unusual way, Jason takes matters into his own hands. I'm doing martial law, bitches. So he blames her murder on Eddie. Naturally, because Eddie it looks like an outcast and he's all doing this shit. In the, uh, yeah. Anyway, the Hellfire Club is a cult, so they say. And despite his belief, Eddie is definitely not the one to kill Chrissy. That would be Vecna's doing. I just pulled it for you. I'm so sorry. I am so sorry. <laughs> so finally, Max finds a lead to the video store after finding out Eddie gets his drugs from someone named Reaver Rick. Steve suggests going to police officers with his information, but they shut him down. Robin looks up all the Ricks in the system who rent videos from the store and finds someone named Rick Lipton who had rented Fast Times at Regiment High and multiple Cheech and Chong movies. Of course, that has to be him. God, it's so fucking stereotypical and judgmental these days. <laughs> well, this was back in the 80s. I mean, people were less considerate, I guess. That's how you want to say it. So, back to the chiller part! Back to the chiller part. Nancy tries to interview people about what happened. To Chrissy, it starts talking to Eddie's uncle, Mr. Wayne. He tells Nancy that Eddie would kill anyone, and where committed this murder is evil. Get it? Evil. Anyway. Um. <laughs> he 
He mentions Victor Creel, played by the awesome and legendary Robert England. Oh, Worley. A man who allegedly killed his family and cut out their eyes years and years ago. Creel is now living at the Penhurst Mental Hospital. Mental Hospital. When compares him to Michael Myers, which is really frightening. Although Michael Myers doesn't pop out people's eyeballs and... Well, he breaks bones, but he doesn't pop... Well... He may pop out eyeballs. I'm a huge Michael Myers fan. I think I should know this, right? Do you pop out eyeballs? I'm talking to my mask. <laughs> no? Okay. Meanwhile, back to Fred. Fred walks to the woods near the trailer park and sees the grandfather clock on the ground. He is hypnotized. And she's a group of really creepy people in the black, in the black or back? In the back. In the back, standing behind him. Black fog, back, whatever. I wrote the script, and I'm sorry, I don't know why I was tired. Anyway. One of the girls points her fingers at him and calls him, Murderer. <laughs> Mike and Will try to find Eleven at the ring, but she's off hiding. She doesn't come out, however, and confronts Angela. <laughs> doesn't do anything, so. I want you to fall in Sorry. Okay, she tells Angela to tell Mike that they're actually friends, and which Angela makes a terrible joke about Hopper being dead. Out of rage, Eleven grabs a roller skate from someone sitting nearby and smacks Angela in the face. Boom! Good for you. She starts bleeding profusely. <laughs> and Michael will show up. Mike asks Eleven what she did, which gives her flashbacks to Dr. Brenner asking her the same question in the Rainbow Room. The world is a rainbow. Ring rainbow? Oh. Back to the, the trio, Max, Dustin, and Robin, and Steve. Okay, the, quad, the quadruple, quadro, trio, quadrio, whatever. Um, they arrive at Eva Rick's house and notice the shed out back. Eddie appears and explains everything what happened. Of course, given all their experience, that what happened with him the upside down, they believe in Eddie and share with him everything they've gone through in Hawkins. And Eddie's like, what? <laughs> So, back to Fred. Does Fred die in the episode? You have to watch to find out. I'm not going to spoil that for you. Moving on. So, what becomes apparent in this episode is that previously, Fred has killed someone in a car accident and fled the scene. Yes, Fred dies. Holy shit. I can't hold it any longer. Then they use this against him to lure him to the murder room, and it's wild. And he gets levitated, eyes pop out, bones break, and shit like that. Yeah. So, back to the rink, EMTVs arrive, care for Angela, and it's a big scene. Argyle and Jonathan pick up the kids and try to make Eleven feel better about what she did. It's an awkward car ride for Elle and Mike, which Mike is clearly ashamed and disappointed in her. I wouldn't be. I'd get a high five for smacking someone in the face with a roller skate. That's just me. I guess I'm just a dickhead. I don't know. When they get home, Murray's there making dinner, and he acts like he happened to be in the area. Excuse me. Over dinner, Joyce tells everyone that she has to go to a work trip. Come up in Alaska and ask Jonathan to be in charge. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's surprised by Joyce's trip and she decides not to fill in the kids about Hopper. So, the next morning, Willa might make waffles for 11, but she won't come out from her, come from her room. Uh, she, Mike finally goes to talk to her. She says that he doesn't understand what she's feeling. She thinks she's a monster and confronts Mike about the fact that he can never tell that he loves her. So, that's just where Mike and Eleven break up. No, it doesn't happen. It, 
it does not happen at all. So Mike and Lemon don't break up. Everybody thinks they do, but they don't. I mean, it's it's far from what it actually happens. So, um, yeah, um. Uh, Mike tells Eleven that he's, she's a superhero, and she practically fucking is, mostly in superpowers. But she doesn't believe anymore because she doesn't have her powers. Uh, the police offer uh, the arrive at the buyer's house. Eleven's arrested for what she did to Angela. Joyce and Maria are huh, gone, so no one's there to protect Eleven besides Mike, Will, and Jonathan. Mike, Eleven do it not break up in season four. Although it was a really huge fight, they don't break up. So back in Hawkins. The group brings Eddie food and tells him the police officers think he killed Chrissy and they're looking for him. They decide to do that they have to do to find back to kill him and prove Eddie's innocence. Which is obviously easier said than done. <laughs> so without Eleven, they pretty much are fucking screwed. Anyway, let's move on to episode 2. This, I'm sorry, I'm just dragging this off for episode 1. So, does Eleven go with Owens in Stranger Things? Mm, Owens gets picked up. Eleven, they go to the desert. They do some testing. Um, this thing called Nina. Which tries to get her powers back. And he describes the evil in the town has a virus that keeps getting stronger each time it returns. A war is coming, he tells Ellie, Eleven. The other way to save Hawkins, finally, is, to, is through Eleven's help. So, but Owens, played by... Oh, I forgot his name. Paul Reiser. That's it. Assures her that it's her choice. He can bring her back home when she wants, but she could also go with him. So, in the final scene of the episode, back at school with Max learning more of the connections which link all the victims together and even link her to them. Fred and Chrissy have nosebleeds, um, nightmares, headaches, and were experiencing trauma with their deaths. This is the same thing Max is going through at the time. So, she walks through the hallway and sees a grandfather clock on the wall before Vetna calls her name and his glowing blue eyes appear. So, moving on to episode 4. Full war. In this episode, the big one for the season, it opens up with a couple of Dr. Owen's colleagues going by the buyer's house to let the boys know what's going on with Eleven. Sort of. They just give them a bare minimum information, which makes them really angry. Two agents are placed with the guys to watch over them to make sure that they don't do anything stupid. So, Robin and Nancy meet back up with the group at school, and Max explains her connection to Vecna's victims. Vecna's victims. She thinks she might die tomorrow, based on the timeline of Chrissy and Fred's deaths. So, the group talks about it, the Upside Down, and how they're familiar with it. And for all the millions of years, for all that they know, they wonder why Vecna would choose now to strike. So, Max starts writing letters to everyone. Thinks she's going to die. Uh, including one to Billy, her dead stepbrother. Despite for answers, Robin and Nancy create a plan to pretend they're psychologists so they can get into Penhurst and Dr. Victor Creel. They meet a Dr. Hatch at the asylum, whom they surprise and convince into letting them meet Mr. Creel. Elsewhere in the house, Mike talks to Will in his fight with Eleven, saying it felt more adult than ever before. Well, yeah, you're fucking older, you dipshit. Meanwhile, back in Alaska, Joyce and Murray arrive at Fish and Fly to meet Yuri, who ends up being a complete asswipe. They give him the 40 grand, and under assumption, he'll help Hopper get out. So, does Hopper escape Russian? Long story short, yes, he does. So, back to Victor Creel, what happened to his family, and how this shit started. 
So, Robin and Nancy meet Victor Creel, letting him know that they think whatever killed his family back in the day is back, and because people have flashbacks, and Victor Creel is recalling what happened all those years ago. We see a young Victor Creel, played by Ozark's Kevin L. Johnson. That's where I recognize him from. Anyway, Moose does new home with his family. He says they had about one month of peace in the house until the evil appeared. One fateful night, Victor Creel was struck in some type of trance, and when he came back to reality, his wife and daughter were dead. They were killed in the same way Vecna kills Chrissy and Fred. Creel's young son, Henry, however, was in a coma. He never confirms whether he lived or died. But he does remember hearing a sound like a song which brought him back to reality. Back to reality. Oh, there goes gravity. No? Okay. Moving on. So, back to Mike and Will. Have a cute moment as the car approaches the house. They think it's the pizza delivery dude, your boy Argyle. However, once one of the agents opens the doors, members of the army come and start shooting. There's a full-on gunfight. It's so intense. I can't take it anymore. Anyway. Uh, let's get moving on. Episode 5. Here we go. So, episode 5 opens up with the Silver Boy Pizza Truck driving away as Agent Harmon's bleeding out in the back. Well, they just got shot by the army dude. He got shot in the stomach, and the bullet went through. Dude's bleeding out like a stuck pig. So, Jonathan says he has to go to the hospital, but surprised when Harmon says they should find Dr. Owens because the girl, aka Eleven, also knows Eleven, is in danger. Eleven and Owens, played by Paul Reiser, arrive in Nevada and go through a secret door in the middle of the desert to find Owens' underground lab, which he repurposed for this very reason. He explains to her that she has to go through testing and go to this thing called Nina to get her fucking powers back and all this other horse shit. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip over the dumb, the dumb details, which you don't need to know, because I think this episode was just drawn out for no fucking reason. So, I'm going to hop on to episode 6. So, Joyce and Murray... They make it to Yuri's. He drugs them, flies into Russia, turns them in as Americans, or tries to anyway, and shit just goes down sideways. So now we're up at episode six. The police officer Robert Ricks and see Patrick lying in Jason's arm. Who's Patrick? I can't remember who Patrick is. One of the dudes. Jason is questioned by them, and they aren't listening to his story. They're still blaming Eddie for everything, but Jason says that Eddie was simply a vessel. Making a deal with the devil. This dude's rage is fucking lying to him. That's all I'm going to say. And he really thinks that D&D is dangerous. The scrutiny that people get for playing that game. It really pisses me off. Because there's people that still live like that today. Anyway, personal opinion. Moving on. So, the police officers go out to the water to investigate what happened to find Eddie. Eddie's able to flee the scene and steals walkie-talkies from a construction site. He's headed to Skull Rock. Mike, Jonathan, Will, and Argyle arrive at Susie's, and a little kid opens the door. There's absolute chaos inside, with kids running around, recording a movie, and some cooking. Y'all need a fucking nanny, just saying. <laughs> so, the myth of number one existing in the Stranger Things universe. So, back in Eleven's memory, she has a conversation with the orderly again, who tells her that she reminds him of number one. He claims that although Dr. Brenner says number one does not exist, this is obviously really exciting for his viewers because we have no idea who the fuck number one is. And it's the first test experiment ever in Dr. Brenner's labs. 
So this place and the people here are not what you think, is what he tells Eleven. What Henry tells Eleven. While on the real world, Dr. Owens tells Brent that they should have told Eleven the truth. So all these members are coming back to Eleven, and she's being bullied by the kids at Hawkins Lab, and one in particular is really nasty. When she comes back to reality, she's convinced that she's the one who killed everyone in the railway room. Excuse me. After Patrick's death, the police have a meeting at the town hall. I'm going back to Patrick now. Um, and the parents of townspeople are really angry and more murderers keep happening. Okay, and Nancy and Steve, back to these two clowns. Oh, sorry, Nancy, Steve, and Robin take a boat out with Eddie while Dustin, Lucas, and Max stay back. This is where they find the first gate in Lover's Lake. And Steve takes his shirt off. Ah, the girl's like, Ugh. Anyway, see what's going down there. And Nancy's staring. Of course, I think Nancy's still in love with Steve, that's why. So, underwater, Steve sees fish bones, a red light, and the gate! So, he touches the opening, and tentacles come out, grab him, pull him through, and take him deep underwater, into the upside down. Freaking out because he's taking so long, Nancy then jumps in after Steve, and Robin decides to jump in too, leaving Eddie alone. Begrudgingly, Eddie jumps in too. He just takes his shot. and poof, fucking, I'm not staying here by myself. So, in the Upside Down, there's a creepy bats in the sky who start to attack Steve. As he hit him off, a tentacle comes up and strangles him. As he's hitting him off, um, they wake up with the end episode on the cliffhanger with fans being on the edge of the seats and with the fact that Steve may be in serious danger. So, episode 7, the last one before the break. You can feel relieved that Steve is dead, still alive, doesn't die. Nancy, Robin, and Eddie arrive just in time to save him by hitting the bats with one of the oars of the boat. Or, oars, not oars, 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 oars of the boat. They get in a big fight with the creature as they try to attack each one of them. And when they see a huge swarm of flying towards them, they flee to the woods. Not really a bright idea, but it's cover, right, I guess? So, back to Eleven. She is seriously discouraged with the test, understandably, and she calls herself a monster. Dr. Brenner says she's going backwards and asks her to try one more time. Back in the isolation tank called Nina, Elle remembers being bullied by number two. Who gets in trouble with Dr. Brenner? So, back to Vecna, the villain of the entire fucking goddamn series. So, did he open the gates to the Upside Down? The police questioned Dustin, Max, and Lucas about back at the Wheeler house where all their parents and siblings are. They deny everything. I think I would too. So, but Erica calls him out and says they're lying. Everyone starts arguing. The police officers decide they're going to question the kids one by one. Dustin and Lucas eventually explain everything to Erica, who starts helping them brainstorm their next move. Erica's pretty fucking smart. I'm not gonna lie. They realize that Vecna opens a new gate every time he kills someone. So Hopper and Dimitri, Dimitri are getting ready for the Demigorgon fight in the prison in Russia. Oh, yeah, by the way, they're the guard protecting Hopper gets caught and for espionage or traitorism or the fuck you want to call it. Yeah. Hop thinks he can still help Eleven even if he's the last thing he does. They realize they're going to need a miracle. Meanwhile, Murray arrives at the prison impersonating Yuri, gets a fresh look, new accent, and hilarious one-liners that actually work. So back in the Upside Down, Steve, Eddie, and thank each other for having one of those backs with the bats and Eddie calls Steve Metal. And they are, have a really funny moment where Eddie compares Steve to Ozzy Osbourne's iconic moment 
where he bit the hell of a bat. Yeah, Steve somehow doesn't know what the hell's going on. Who, who the fuck's Ozzy Osbourne? And I'm sure people are like, what? Anyway, Aiden goes into a bit where he tells Steve he's surprised he's such a good guy because he's popular. He's disappointed himself for not being more heroic and reveals the only reason he jumped in the water before was because he was too ashamed to stay behind. I get it. He fled the first time. So Eddie also tells Steve he should get back together with Nancy. I love this new friendship that they got going on. <laughs> so, I think that concludes um, my recap. So, here we go. Hopper and Joyce, do they do reunite? Do they reunite? The big question. Yes, they reunite in Russia. And there's so much sexual tension between these two. <laughs> so he's like, I'm gonna get the breadsticks, go to Vinzos, and she was like, Is all you can dream about is breadsticks and pasta? And he's like, Should I be dreaming about something else? And yeah, it's they start making out. And then it ended up by a phone call. Dig move. Just saying. Fucking mood killer. So, yes, everybody can cry. Ah, they're back together. So, I'm going to skip all this bullshit. Um, so, who is Vecna? Everyone wants to know who Vecna is. For those who have not watched Seen Strangers, who have not seen Stranger Things Season 4, here is a brief description of Vecna. So, going back to way back in the day when all the Orleys were back in the laboratory, um, there's a certain Orly explained to Eleven. About her memories, how Nancy starts to put the pieces together and upside down as she sees the Creole house and discovers who Vecna really is. The Orly remembers his childhood, and we get a flashback to Victor Creel and his family confirming number one is Creel's son, Henry. And he remembers growing up at the Creel house and how he became obsessed with spiders, how he hated people, he hated the made up rules and routines people followed, blah, blah, blah. He wanted to restore balance in the world. Sounds like a fucking Jedi Knight, really. I think there's a Star Wars reference in there somewhere. So because of this, Henry discovered his powers and started using them on animals to get into their minds. But once his mom realized what was going on, uh, she thought it was wrong and called a doctor to see Henry. And said she's going to fucking kill him. With each life he took, he became stronger, like each person became a part of him. He killed his sister, he killed his mom. So when Henry woke up in the hospital after the incident, Dr. Brenner was there to take him. So Dr. Brenner wanted to control Henry and his powers. Sounds like a Frankenstein theory going on here. That sounds to me. So, there's a huge fight between Eleven and Henry. She throws him against the wall. And they get into a fight. And as Eleven remembers her traumatic... Tra traumatic... Memories like being bullied and her mom being taken over. She pulls in enough strength to gain control. In the process, she opens up a gate upside down and throws number one into there. As he's flying through the upside down, lightning and thunder crashes on him, transforming into some monster. We've been following this whole season so far, Vecna. So before the episode ends, the camera zooms on number one's wrist, which still has the 001 tattoo. Now, on to the Easter eggs. Doo -doo -doo -doo, which is like caught while watching the show. Anyway, so Easter eggs is season four. Some I had to look up, and some I noticed right away. Because I'm a dork. I'm sorry. And if you're a huge basketball fan, this first one should be an easy one for you. Kevin McLaughlin, the guy who plays Lucas, paid homage to Kobe Bryant with his jersey number. Yes. The Demi Gorgon Lab. Oh my god. This one I knew straight away because this, the setting, the setup, everything was there. So, the Demi Gorgon Lab in Stranger Things Season 4 is 
I want to say like the same setup is, is evocative of Alien Resurrection. The things floating in the tubes, the green water, all that shit like that. Yeah, and the water and is pretty cool. So, Eddie wearing a Michael Myers mask. This isn't just a nod to Halloween. It's fucking homage, dude. Playing John Carpenter being a master of horror. Vicky is patterned after Molly Ringwald. You'll see that with a brown um, hat and a scarf and the short curl. Yeah. Murray. I love Murray. This dude cracks me up. Gets to play Han Solo by channeling his inner Han Solo. I don't know, Jim. I have a bad feeling about this. <laughs> Picked that up right away. That is the most famous line said in every Star Wars movie. Including Rogue One. Even if it doesn't finish saying it, it still counts. Okay. Uh, Robin's quip evokes memories of Pulp Fiction when she says, I don't believe in a higher power or divine intervention, but what was, but that was a miracle. And so, Vecna's fate, oh my god, I didn't know this, but I, now it makes sense. So, Vecna's fate in episode 9. Yeah. Vecna's fate is similar to uh, that of Michael Myers. Just as it was in the 1978 movie, Vecna is shot Similar so many times, six times I think, before falling backwards out of a second story window landing on the ground. The similarities don't end there because just as in Halloween, the killer's body disappears. So that's all, folks. That's all I got with this episode. I know I dried down a little bit, and I'm sorry. So I started, I tried to get straight to the point with some of these things. So I hope you enjoyed it. Continue to subscribe, continue to support me on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. My business is now on Facebook, um, so go to Facebook and just do a search on South Jersey Horror LLC, and you'll find that my merchandise is there. Good prices, decent prices, not overpriced. Um, we'll be adding some more merchandise later. So thank you for watching. Appreciate it. Y'all have a good time. And this is the Horror Sign Out, and I will slice you later. Take care.